Welcome to Hall Talk. Life is filled with unexpected moments. Thank you for joining Jared Hall, a specialist in being a generalist, as he shares biblical insights and leadership lessons while curating stories. And now your host, Jared Hall. Welcome to Hall Talk. I'm your host, Jared Hall. Thank you so much for joining me this week. On this episode, it's the first week of the month, and so we're going to get back into Messianic Prophecy. And we're going to be taking a look at Genesis 3.15 today. By the way, if you enjoy devotional messages, sermons, things of that nature, you can always head over to YouTube and type in Jared Hall. And you'll see that on my channel there, I've been teaching through the Sermon on the Mount and I post Sunday services each and every week. And also... If you're ever in need of someone to fill the pulpit at your church, to speak at an event, speak at a retreat, that's something that I have the pleasure and opportunity to do around the area. And so feel free to reach out for me if you ever have that need, or if you'd ever like to have me come and share and open up the scriptures with you. Well, with no further ado, let's get into this week's episode on Messianic Prophecy in Genesis 3.15. I want to begin by recapping what we saw last month, that in the Gospel of John chapter 5, as Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees, he says something rather interesting. He makes the point that when it comes to judgment, ultimate judgment before God, that Jesus isn't going to accuse the Pharisees of not believing in him, but rather it's going to be Moses who's going to accuse them of not believing in Jesus because Moses wrote so clearly about Jesus that because they said they believed in Moses, they too should believe in Jesus. And so with that, we begin to understand that Moses' writings, Genesis through Deuteronomy, the Pentateuch or the Torah, includes messianic prophecy, teachings, prophecy, predictions of who Jesus is would be, of who the Messiah would be and what he would do. And so what we're going to see as we get into this very first prophecy is that Moses is writing so clearly about the future Messiah that on judgment, anyone who doesn't believe in Jesus but believes in Moses' writing will be held accountable, will be will be the accuser will be Moses. Now, that's a very interesting thought. It's what Jesus said. So, if we believe that to be true, then we should be able to go back into the Torah, Pentateuch, and we should be able to see situations, cases, where Moses is writing about Jesus. And so, in order to do that, I want us to go back to Genesis 3 today. I want us to go back specifically to Genesis 3.15. Genesis 3.15 says this, I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Now, this passage right here is in the midst of a judgment portion of scripture. So the fall has just occurred. The first man, the first woman, Adam and Eve, have sinned against God. God is pronouncing judgment, and in the midst of the judgment, he delivers this promise. Genesis 3.15. And this word enmity is extreme strife. And so there's a strife 
extreme strife that's going to exist between, it says, between you and the woman. You is referring to the serpent, who we later find out in the book of Revelation without question is the devil or Satan and Eve. And then it says that between the offspring of Satan or the serpent and the offspring of the woman, Eve, there's also going to be enmity. There's also going to be extreme strife. Now, there's something that happens here where it changes to a singular focus, a singular person. This word offspring initially is plural. It's literally the word in Hebrew, zerah, or the word seed. And what we have here is then is that he shall bruise your head, meaning that one offspring of the woman is going to bruise the head of the serpent or of Satan. And it says, you shall bruise his heel, meaning that Satan or the serpent will bruise the heel of one of the woman's seeds. Now, the interesting thing that this word bruise indicates here is that is that both words literally mean a death blow. And so what's interesting, that death blow here in one case is being delivered to the head and in another case is being delivered to the heel. The death blow is delivered to the head of the serpent and the death blow is dealt to the heel of the singular seed. Why is that? Why is that the case? Well, if if we can look at what we know now, reading back, we can see that the serpent did deal a death blow to the Messiah at the cross. But because it was his heel, it was temporary. He overcame death. And what we do know that's going to happen based on the prophecy of Revelation is that there's going to be a death blow dealt to Satan that he will not recover from when he's thrown into the lake of fire. And so this is a very interesting prophecy. Now, keep in mind that as you begin reading the Bible, all that you see here is a prophecy looking forward that in the midst of the fall of man, God promises redemption. That there will be one person, one singular seed, one offspring of the woman who's going to defeat the serpent, the great deceiver, the one who brought temptation to man and woman. What an amazing promise. Now, what's interesting here is, is that if this is the case, then we should be able to see that there is an anticipation of the singular seed. And so when we go to Genesis 4, 1, just a few verses later, it says, Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. That's what your past, that's what your, your Bible says. But what it literally says is, I have gotten a man of the Lord. It's the people who translate the Bible who inserts the phrase with the help. But literally in the Hebrew it reads, I have gotten a man of the Lord. And what I believe this is showing us is that in the first child being recorded of being born in the scriptures of Adam and Eve is that they believe that this first child they have, that this is going to be the seed 
who is going to be the one to defeat Satan. Now, they were wrong. We know that. Cain doesn't make a sacrifice pleasing to the Lord. He gets angry. He kills Abel. His bloodline is all bad. But the anticipation is there. And so Moses is showing us is that what is said in 315 is then anticipated, although incorrectly, by Adam and Eve in the birth of Cain. And then we go forward to Genesis 5.29. And called his name Noah, saying, Out of the ground that the Lord has cursed, this one shall bring us relief from our work and from the painful toil of our hands. Noah is a person that's hoped to be the seed, that seed that's going to bring redemption. And in a sense, Noah does bring redemption because of the ark. He is a type of Messiah, but he's not the Messiah. He's not the one. And so the beautiful thing here is for us as we apply this passage to our lives and not just intellectually think about the fulfillment of the prophecy, is that we see that God brings redemption in the midst of of difficulty or trial, that God can bring healing in the midst of uncertainty. And I think that at whatever point you're listening to this, I think you'll be able to to think about a time, identify a time when we've been hurt and we've been struggling and we don't know which way to go. Sometimes things get so hard and so bad, so painful, that it begins to get difficult to tell which way is up and which way is down. It's hard to tell what is good and what is bad when we're so flooded with emotions. And yet, because of this, we can see that God is working things out for the good of those who love love him, according to Romans 8.28. That even though Adam and Eve had just sinned and they were in the midst of getting judgment pronounced on them, God gives them a promise of future deliverance and a Messiah. It's a beautiful picture. One of the things that I'm reminded of is that when I was um, when I was a younger man, I was um, I was in a situation. Uh, where my wife had to tell me the unfortunate news of my father passing away. And that was one of the hardest things that I ever went through in my entire life, one of the most difficult, challenging weeks of my life. And it presented a lot of unique perspective shifts in the season ahead. But one of the things I was so grateful for Uh, Fast forward a year afterwards, uh, almost to the day my first child, my son, was born. And I remember sitting there in that hospital room that morning holding him for the first time. And it was, Missy had fallen asleep and it was the two of us and I'm looking at him and I'm just overwhelmed with emotion thinking about the difficulty that had been my life just one year ago that week, and then the great joy and anticipation of this life 
in this in the birth of my son that took place that week. It was very, very beautiful. And so I want to encourage you that wherever you find yourself as you listen to this, that God is a God of redemption. God is a God of hope. And that even in the midst of uncertainty and trial and difficulty, whether it's from an outside source or it's the result of our own decision-making, God is still able to work these things out for good for those of us who love him. Romans 8, 28. And ultimately, we have a perspective that Adam and Eve didn't have. We can know with certainty who the Messiah is, who the fulfillment of Genesis 3.15 is. It's Jesus of Nazareth. That is who we can place our hope in. He is the Messiah. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Hall Talk. I'm your host, Jared Hall, and this has been a look into Genesis 3.15, the first messianic prophecy in the book of law, the Torah, or the Pentateuch, meaning five books, Genesis through Deuteronomy. If you really like the topic of Messianic prophecy and you would like to dig deeper into this topic, there's an excellent resource from a former professor and friend of mine, Michael Rydelnik. It's called The Moody Handbook of Messianic Prophecy. The Moody Handbook of Messianic Prophecy. It goes into a really deep dive into each and every Messianic prophecy in the Old Testament. And I had the pleasure and the opportunity of going through a class on Messianic prophecy with Michael when I was a student at Moody Bible Institute. And he was really the one who gave me great clarity into the scriptures and how the scriptures speak clearly of who Jesus is from the perspective of the Old Testament. And so if this is an area where you go, oh, Jared is just wetting my appetite. I have so many questions. I'd love to read so much more. This is the resource I would point you to. And over the coming months, as we continue to go through Messianic Prophecy, this is going to be the resource I'll continue to point you to, although there are other ones if you're interested. But that's where I would encourage people to start the Moody Handbook of Messianic Prophecy. So, again, thank you so much for listening, and I hope that you have a wonderful week. Thank you for listening to Hall Talk. Share your voice by leaving a comment or asking a question. Join the team by hitting like, subscribing, and sharing with others. As always, join us next time for more insights and conversations on Hall Talk.